This is Reality TV. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mainline Podcast on this beautiful fall Tuesday night. I'm your host, Tyler Burton. The bye week is over, and the Oklahoma Sooners are set to travel down to Waco this Saturday for a conference showdown against the Baylor Bears. We're going to dive into that here in just a little bit, along with recapping what was a wild weekend across college football. Uh, we are just a few minutes away from the newest edition of college football playoff rankings be revealed, so we're going to get our live reactions to that. Um, and like I said, we're going to close things out with beers and bets and look ahead to the OU Baylor game. But unfortunately, tonight we are a little bit shorthanded. Corbin Polson is here, but Adam, I guess, decided to go into Michigan for the week to see his fiance was a little more important than podcasting for OU Baylor week. I guess he's confident OU in OU this week. And they said, you know what? Have fun, guys. I'm not going to podcast this week. I'm going to send you my picks, take from there. But Corbin, thank you for showing up tonight. I really appreciate it. How are you doing? How was the weekend? Man, I'm doing great. Yeah, I guess uh, maybe Adam's still in mourning after the Michigan State loss last week. That is also a possibility I guess could be uh, in play. But I'll tell you what, man, we've got uh, one of the best times of the year where sports are starting to overlap. Uh, you know, we just wrapped up the Kansas-Michigan State game here to kick off the college basketball season. Last I checked, OU was struggling, but up at half to kick off their season as well. So uh, tons of sports to watch, so couldn't be happier. Yeah, definitely one of the best parts of the year. And, man, like I said, we got the rankings coming up here in just a second, so we'll kind of dive into it. I will say one thing. I absolutely hate the fact that daylight savings time, we've set the clock back, and now it's completely dark by about 5.30 in the evening. So it feels like it's about 10 o'clock right now as we're getting this thing going. But, uh, no, man, it was uh, it was a wild weekend in, in college football across the landscape. I mean, number three, Michigan State, they get upset. They go down to Purdue. You know, Purdue's quarterback throws three touchdown passes, helping the Boilermakers to knock off their second top five team in just four weeks. So Michigan State's now eight and one overall. It'll be I'll be interested to see where the committee kind of ranks them tonight uh, and how that affects Michigan as well. But dude, Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon, Cincinnati—they all struggled this past weekend. It was fun to see as a college football fan. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the committee does with this, right? Because, I mean, that was OU's uh, big knock, right? Yes, undefeated, but they haven't looked great. Well, we just went through an entire weekend where nobody looked good that was honestly ranked in the top 25. So will there be some massive shakeup, you know, in this week's rankings? I highly doubt it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But, I mean, even even the the other, you know, big ranked matchup of the weekend, Texas A&M and Auburn, I don't know if you watched that, Tyler. That was one of the most boring games I have ever mm-hmm. watched in my entire life from a ranked matchup. Neither one of those teams looked good. It just happened to be that A&M made less mistakes than Auburn and ended up winning. So it was a fun weekend. It was entertaining because the games were close. But, man, you talk about top seeds and high-ranked teams not doing what they're, quote-unquote, supposed to be doing. Um, we, we got a, a full slate of it on Saturday. And I think that's kind of one of the things that inter- that's interesting. I mean, I know that Michigan State did lose this game, but the fact that so many other teams in the top 10 did struggle, really how much change is there going to be in the committee's rankings? But, I mean, Alabama hangs on to not to beat a five-loss LSU team that was, you know, didn't have eight starters on defense, Ohio State. If Nebraska had any resemblance of a kicker on their football team, Ohio yep. State goes down on Saturday. Cincinnati holds on for dear life to beat Tulsa. Oregon was in a one-score game against Michigan. So the knock on Oklahoma from the playoff committee is they don't beat inferior opponents soundly. Well, Saturday kind of dismantled that argument. So very interested to see um, what the committee is going to do, if there is going to be any movement. Surely surely Oklahoma's got to move up at least one or two spots, given the loss that happened in front of them. But, uh, but you know, kind of what the committee's prioritized um, – you know, we talked about it last week. It doesn't seem like uh, they truly value an undefeated team as much as they do maybe a team that, yes, they do have one loss, but maybe they have a quality win, whereas Oklahoma doesn't up to this point in the season. But uh, before we look at the rankings here in a second, I do want to touch on what happened in the Big 12 this weekend. Um, Steve Sarkeesian, man, down in Austin, Starkville, he's got it going on, doesn't he? I mean, talk about a dumpster fire with everything coming out this week. Got the, the video being posted, the defensive lineman just chewing out the team on the bus, which for what it's worth, I actually don't mind. Because uh, no, the team all. needed some chewing out. But the fact that that got leaked, uh, holy cow. Uh, you know, so it's gone from one thing to the next for uh, Sarkeesian and company down in Austin. And does this feel like deja vu? I, I know past coaches haven't necessarily had a monkey incident, but like this kind of is on the same path as what we've seen from – Herman and um, oh, who was before Herman? His name's skipping me at the moment. Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong. Yeah, but yeah. towards the end of Mac Brown's era. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just uh, you know, 
they've lost four in a row, guys. Uh, and so <laughs> it's just I don't know. I don't know if the OU loss just kind of took their legs out from under them, and that was kind of the nail in the coffin for it, and they just haven't bounced back since. So I'm not sure what to make of Texas, but what I will say, staying in the state of Texas, I was pretty stunned by TCU's victory over Baylor. Uh, Chandler Morris, welcome to the show, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he played out of his mind. Huge battle with them in Oklahoma State uh, this weekend. Look out for that one. Chandler Morris, he's a kind of a game changer. We, I think we had an impression that he – uh, could do that during his time in Norman. He's showing off down there in Fort Worth. So, um, but I am curious, Tyler, to get your thoughts with with yes. where you started the ranking last week. How much does a Baylor loss before they play OU this weekend kind of hurt? Uh, you know, potentially OU strength the schedule. I think it hurts a little bit, but also at the same time too, the fact that OU is going to get to play them this weekend and maybe not have to wait another week or two for them to potentially take another loss. OU is going to have the opportunity to get a top 25 win this weekend. Um, but no, you hit it. You knocked it out of the park. I mean, Chandler Morris, something about these OU transfer quarterbacks. Once they get off campus, they find a way to shine in, uh, you know, Tanner Mordecai uh, and now Chandler Morris, you know, 29 to 41, 461 yards passing three total touchdowns. In his first start as a as, as a TCU Horn Frog, not knocking off a top twelve Baylor team, uh, but but no. One last thing on Texas. I mean, they're now four and five, losing four in a row. Mac Brown, Charlie Strong, Tom Herman, not a single one of those coaches lost four in a row. So I'm not quite ready to press the panic button on Sark yet. If he loses to Kansas this weekend, they go go ahead and have my permission to fire him now. But there's just so many things nonstop. I mean, Joshua Moore enters the transfer portal, the video servicing today, the the buzz about B. John Robinson. Is he going to finish out the year? What's his future look like in Austin after this season? But no, there's – I thought that Keegan Renault, you know, his tweet earlier was perfect. This is now the second or third week in a row where we're talking about something with Texas off the field the entire week after Texas loses on the field on a Saturday. So, but no, it, it's, uh, it, it was a crazy weekend across college football. It's shaping up to be a really good one this upcoming weekend, especially in the the big 12. You mentioned the two big ones. Oh, you traveling to Baylor on Saturday, TCU at Oklahoma state on Saturday night. One that's a lot more interesting. And I think a lot more people are going to be tuning in, especially after what we saw Chandler Morris do uh, just a couple weeks ago. But uh, but before we do get to the rankings, is there anything else across the country this this upcoming weekend that you're kind of going to be you know looking looking forward to? I mean, obviously it's seeing how Oklahoma responds, right? I think you could tell on social media and things like that that the players were not happy with that uh, first initial ranking. Uh, do they come out with an attitude? Uh, I know we'll preview this a little bit more, but how many guys come back healthy? Uh, that we haven't seen in quite some time on this roster as well. So I think from an OU perspective, it'll just be really interesting to see us and Baylor have had some battles as of late. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it'll be really interesting. I didn't want to play Baylor coming off a loss. That makes me feel just a little bit eh, kind of heading into the weekend. But um, if this team is really as angry as they uh, screamed on social media, then we should see our best game of the year. Yeah, 100%. And like I said, Adam's not joining us tonight. Um, we're, we're playing second fiddle in terms of his priorities. But we do want to get to our top six uh, for each of us before we uh, get the ones from the committee. I'll just start off with mine real quick. I've got Georgia number one, of course. And then I'm going Oklahoma two, Oregon three, Alabama four, Ohio State five. And I've got Cincinnati at number six in this one. I could have dropped Cincinnati a little bit lower, um, especially after the way they played against Tulsa. But uh, that kind of rounds out my top six. What do you have? Yeah, I'll start with Adams first so we can uh, sneak his in here just a, a quick second. So he had uh, Georgia, OU, Bama, Ohio State, Michigan State, and uh, Michigan. So still no love for the Ducks coming from Adam. Um, yeah, for me, I mean, this is not even close to how I expect tonight to go, but I've got Georgia, Oklahoma, Alabama, Cincinnati, Oregon, and Ohio State. Um, but yeah, as we start to look, they're doing the ranking show now. You know, one question I wanted to, to kind of ping your way, Tyler, is when you think of what Michigan State obviously did last weekend, losing to a very, what we think is a mediocre Purdue team, um, is there an opportunity for Michigan State to stay ranked above Oklahoma after that loss? Because my gut says there is. I definitely think there is. I mean, you know, they were an undefeated team going into this weekend. They do have a quality win over a top 10 Michigan team. So, yes, they did lose. Yet uh, to you know a three four loss Purdue team, but Purdue you know they knocked off Iowa just a couple weeks ago and they were a top five opponent. So uh, it does look like we are going to start getting some rankings right now. It's nice to see UTSA finally making an appearance in the top twenty five. Yep. Uh, shout out to Coach Jeff Trailer, what he's doing down there in San Antonio is really good. Um, 
Utah Utah sitting in there all of a sudden ranked certainly helps Oregon's case. Uh, Wisconsin up at 18 now. That's going to help Ohio State out quite a bit, I think. 100%. And, you know, Wisconsin, they kind of control their own destiny in their half of the Big Ten in terms of making it to Indianapolis to, to compete for a Big Ten championship. But no, Wisconsin's playing really good football. I know a lot of people kind of wrote them off. Same to go with Utah, a team that I picked to win the Pac-12 in the preseason. Looked like a foolish pick after the first two to three weeks of the season. But uh, that's kind of kind of bouncing back in a big way now. Purdue going from unranked to 19. Another ranked matchup for the Buckeyes. They're just setting them up. I mean, this is honestly ridiculous. I will say this. Uh, you know, we were wondering, is Baylor going to drop a tremendous amount? Baylor drops one spot to just 13 that helps. on this one. And Texas A&M, after a, a top 15 win at home against Auburn, they're only moving up three spots to number 11. So, interesting. I thought the Texas A&M might have an outside shot at cracking the top 10. Um, but Aggie's sitting firmly at number 11 right now. No, no Michigan State yet. That means Oklahoma State will be in the uh, the top, top ten as 10. well. Yeah. Uh, BYU sitting there at fourteen and Ole Miss fifteen. Um, are you surprised Wake Forest didn't drop more? Only three spots. I, I was, especially because of the fact that it's such a backloaded schedule for the Demon Deacons. You know, losing the game that they did. Yes, it was competitive. You know, they had their chance to win it. But yeah, I am kind of surprised that they didn't drop as much as they did. Oklahoma State coming in at number 10, Mike Gundy's squad 8-1 and one on the year. A lot of high expectations that have kind of gone through the roof with how this team has played down in Stillwater. Obviously, <clears throat> a big one <clears throat> against Chandler Morrison TCU this weekend. They look to continue to ride that momentum uh, the, this upcoming weekend and hopefully setting themselves up for what could be a back-to-back bedlam finish this football season in the Big 12. Yeah, I'm curious if that defense is as good as as good as they look. They have they've carried that team from the beginning of the season. Um, but you know, have they played an offense that has got a ton of firepower? I'm not quite sure. Uh, and have they played a quarterback that you know, granted, it's a small sample size, but can do what Chandler Morris did last weekend uh, against Baylor? Because I thought Baylor had a pretty good defense as well. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how that matchup plays out. Could that expose Oklahoma State? Um, you know, this weekend we we will see. We'll see if Chandler Morris can do two weeks in a row now that Oklahoma State, they do have a little bit of film on him, can kind of come up with a game plan to kind of, you know, uh, d- defend him a little bit better. It looks like Notre Dame comes in at number nine, another eight and one football team. Um, <clears throat> Notre Dame just kind of, kind of, uh, you know, quietly just kind of sneaking by, uh, waiting Michigan for chaos State to happen. Staying in the top eight. After that loss, they stay in the top eight. Mm-hmm. What, what was Michigan State last week? Three? That's right, isn't it? Okay, so they're definitely still in the top eight. We'll see who number eight is uh, if they're going to leave. Wow, OU still at number eight. No respect whatsoever. That's unbelievable. I I didn't think that they would move up a tremendous amount, maybe one or two spots, but the fact that you have a Purdue team that lost on the road to a three or four loss Purdue, I just don't get it. Purdue's ranked 19th now. So now that becomes a good loss, right? That's yeah, I mean, they've, got, they've got two top five wins. They go to – and we'll see. It looks like Pollock's kind of freaking out about it right now. But I I, I don't know. We, we talked about it last week whenever OU opened up at number eight. The chip on this team's shoulder, the motivation. OU has an opportunity this weekend to, you know, kind of send a message, not just to the Big 12, but college football as a whole. Um, OU is getting absolutely no respect nationally, and especially it looks like from the committee as well. So OU with a big opportunity in front it's it's crazy and you know we, we talked about it last week this is reality tv i mean the only rankings that matter whatsoever is going to be the final weekend the sunday after you know conference championship week you almost kind of wonder if there's maybe like a hidden agenda right now where they're doing this to um uh you know drive ratings uh, georgia looks like they're they're doing the top seven right now georgia coming in at number one no surprise there Purdue has lost to um, Minnesota by a touchdown. They beat Illinois by four. They lost to Wisconsin by 17. They beat Nebraska by five. I mean, guys, and I'm speaking to everybody out there, like when when's the committee going to take notice the Big Ten is not that good? And for whatever Alan. reason, they think that they are the best conference in football. Mm-hmm. Bama too. Yeah, um, and I, I talked about this earlier today. Um, at some point, are we – are we just ranking Alabama's brand and not necessarily the 2021 team overall Oregon coming in at number three. 
I have no problem with that whatsoever. They do have the best win in college football right now. That that win in Columbus is looking better and better as each week passes and Ohio State continues to win. Uh, and the Buckeyes come in at number four, it looks like. I don't get it, Tyler. I really don't. I don't know how you – I mean, they didn't just get beat by Purdue. They got smacked by Purdue. Yeah. Purdue dominated yeah. that game. And you still have that's this is this is laughable. Last week it was like okay, like I get it. Th- this week is laughable, and it just it it's it almost feels like it's completely intentional. Cincinnati coming in at number five right now, really really good win on the road in South Bend against Notre Dame. That win is looking better and better. Notre Dame's an eight and one football team right now, but Cincinnati surviving. A possible upset bid from Tulsa, uh, you know, uh, an opportunity where Tulsa had two, uh, two times on the goal line where Cincinnati had to defend them seven or eight plays, you know, inside the five yard line to keep them from tying this game up. But um, like I said, what, what at this point right now, outside of the Notre Dame win, what is the difference between Cincinnati and Oklahoma in the committee's eyes right now? Because I don't see it. I don't know. I mean, Cincinnati tried to give that game away to Tulsa. I. I'm at a loss here. I could try to make sense of it last week, but when you when you if you're watching the games and you watch these teams last week, there's mm-hmm. just the argument of what you're seeing and eye test and all of that. Bama didn't look good. Oregon didn't look good. Ohio State didn't look good. Cincinnati didn't look good. Michigan State got their brakes blown off them by Purdue, and Michigan I think just won another ugly Big Ten game if I remember correctly. So. I'm I'm at a just a I'm at a loss here. I would love some explanation. I got to figure out a way to try to put the captions on this so we can kind of get some uh, some details because I I just I don't understand this at all. I don't get it. It looks like that they are. Let's see how they're going to do this real quick. Wow, they're putting <laughs> they put Michigan at six and Michigan State no. at seven. Yeah, Michigan at six, Michigan State at seven. So, and again, correct me if I'm wrong here, but they've got Oregon ranked ahead of Ohio State. They're honoring the head-to-head matchup there because Oregon went to Columbus and won. Yet, after Michigan State loses to Purdue, now they're going to move Michigan one spot ahead of Michigan State, a team that they lost to two weeks ago? I just don't understand that. I'm, I'm so confused. Who are these people? I mean, this makes no sense. I don't know. I don't know. I really have no idea. And I wish I would have recorded this so that I could hear what Pollock and, and you know, Joey Galloway and Herbstreit are having to say about this. But I, I, I simply don't get it. I don't understand the reasoning why some teams it feels like are being judged based on a certain criteria. Some teams are being put in, in these certain spots based on, uh, you know, this, this select criteria. I just don't understand it whatsoever. We, we halfway jokingly asked on the pod last week, it is OU in trouble even if they went out. And now I'm starting to think there is a possibility that that is the case. OU wins out. And if they don't look impressive against a Baylor, against an Oklahoma State, against an Iowa State, that they're they're going to be left out as an undefeated Power 5 team. Am I crazy for thinking that after seeing what we just are, what we're seeing now on these rankings? You cut out for a sec. What, what were you saying about there? You think that there is a possibility that OU could go undefeated and not make the playoffs? Potentially. I, I I don't see it. Like we said, I mean everything everything is still out there in front of Oklahoma. I mean, if if Iowa State takes care of business this upcoming weekend against Texas Tech, there's a chance they can sneak their way into the top twenty-five. So there's an opportunity for OU to close out the season with four top twenty-five wins. The include you know the fourth one being the conference championship. If OU goes undefeated, there is absolutely no way that this team does not make a playoff. And you would think if Georgia runs the table and knocks off Alabama in the SEC championship game, surely an undefeated Oklahoma has got to be the number two seed going into the playoffs, right? With what we've seen so far from this committee, I'm not convinced the two-loss Alabama's out. If they play Georgia close... I, I don't understand where where you draw the line. I mean, like I said, this is an Alabama football team. They lost on the road to Texas A&M that was coming off two back-to-back losses with a backup quarterback. That's a bad loss. Now, in the grand scheme of things right now, A&M's playing really, really good football. They've kind of found their identity. That's not uh, quite as bad of a loss as it was back then. But you also look at it, too. They struggled against Tennessee. They just struggled. If LSU has their full roster, if LSU has a functioning quarterback, Outside of Max Johnson, LSU wins that game at Bryant Denny Stadium on Saturday. So, I, like I said, 
Alabama is being ranked number two. They're being rewarded for the logo on their helmet, the fact that Nick Saban is their coach, the fact that they have 70, 80, four- and five-star recruits. They're they're ranking the brand of Alabama, not necessarily what this team has put out on tape over the course of the last nine to ten weeks. So basically I'm watching the, uh, I don't know his name, the CFP commissioner, try to explain why Michigan is ranked ahead of Michigan State. And he just thinks they just they think they're better. They just played two weeks ago and they lost. Yeah. I I wish we had like a like a bookie or a Vegas guy that we could, you know, we could call and, and, and talk to and kind of find out what Oklahoma, what the spread would be on all seven of these teams ranked ahead of them right now. Because between you and me, outside of Georgia, Alabama, and honestly, after watching Ohio State the last couple of weeks, I'm not quite as sold on Ohio State as I was two or three weeks ago. But outside of Georgia, Alabama, and maybe the Buckeyes, I would feel pretty comfortable picking Oklahoma to beat every single team in front of them right now. But like I said, everything is still out there in front of them. But it's just it, – it's it's mind-blowing the fact that OU has, was penalized in the initial rankings. Yes, they were 9-0, but they were penalized because of the lack of dominant performance against inferior opponents all season long. And we saw this past weekend where you had four teams ranked ahead of OU, five if you include Michigan State, five teams that were ranked ahead of Oklahoma that either struggled or lost, struggled in an incredible amount, and they're not being penalized for it whatsoever. So if you're Oklahoma, you go out there, you beat Baylor, do so in dominant fashion, all you can do is move up. I'm at a loss, and, and of course the, the CFP is going to work out this way where they got to ask him one question. CFP doesn't have to defend a single thing that they just put on paper this week. Um, I get that they're squeezing this in between, you know, two basketball games, but trying to read the captions as uh, as we're we're going through here, and would love to rewatch it. But man, there, there's a lot of things I'm just I'm at a complete loss of. There I mean, are I, <laughs> there there are six one loss teams ranked ahead of an undefeated Oklahoma right now. That's that's. What, that's what makes me wonder if if you go out there against if in the next three games if you go out there and win but they are they look ugly. Clearly, the committee already has this OU team figured out. Or clearly, the committee is intentionally doing this, knowing that it's the the effect that it's going to have. It's it's exactly what you and I are doing right now. The fact that we're reacting to this in such a crazy way and trying to nitpick and completely you know pick apart each and every decision this committee is making right now. I mean. They're, they're getting exactly what they want. And like I said, the only rankings that matter are the final ones. And if OU doesn't beat Baylor this weekend, it doesn't matter whatsoever. Um, but a lot of questions need to be asked to this uh, this committee chairman uh, because I just flat out don't understand why some teams are put the way that put in the position that they are. I mean, just the fact alone that, that Michigan is ranked ahead of Michigan State is is enough of a <laughs> enough of a head scratcher that makes Total sense of how the rest of these rankings have gone. I, I understand Purdue's got a couple good wins, but for them to go from unranked up to a top 20 team after beating Michigan State, mm-hmm. I mean, golly. But now they've got Iowa back up there at 20, so that's even more of an impressive win. So taking a quick look here, so Iowa, Purdue, Wisconsin, um, Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State, so six teams from the Big Ten in the top 25. Um, SEC, Arkansas, uh, Auburn, <laughs> Ole Miss, A&M, um, Bama, and Georgia. So six teams there from the SEC. If my math's correct. I mean, yikes. Cincinnati moves up from number six to number five after an impressive showing in the win against Tulsa on Saturday. A Tulsa team that I might point out too that rushed for over 300 yards uh, on the ground Saturday. So um, I, I really don't have anything else. I mean, like I said, I, I definitely want to look and see what the experts are saying or the so-called experts are saying about this because, um, like I said, it, it makes absolutely no sense to me why certain teams are ranked where they are right now. Um, Cincinnati jumping up to number five, Michigan State losing, only dropping four spots, and <laughs> Michigan, a team that they beat two weeks ago, is being ranked ahead of them right now. So make it make sense for me, Corbin. I have absolutely no idea what's going on. I can't do it. I can't do it. But we'll we'll see how this upcoming weekend goes. Um, I mean, I'm I, at this point, I'm not convinced that a two-loss Oregon or a two-loss Ohio State drops behind OU. I mean, I. 
who knows if Purdue goes and beats, you know, Ohio state this weekend, maybe Purdue jumps Oklahoma. <laughs> like that's, that's kind of where we're at. Right. I, I said it, I said it last week and, you know, at Texas A&M, they beat Auburn this weekend. A&M's all the way up to number 11. If, if Alabama can figure out a way to lose one of these final three games, which Alabama travels to, to Jordan Hare uh, to yep. take on Auburn at the very end of the season, if Alabama can slip up in that game, Auburn knocks them off, then you're going to have Texas A&M representing the, uh, the SEC West against Georgia up in Atlanta. And like I said, A&M is one Alabama loss away from them not being out of playoff discussion right now because they could run the table and find themselves uh, a way to sneak into the playoffs also. But uh, that, that's all I have on that. Let's let's yeah. kind of move ahead to, to OU Baylor this weekend and try to recollect my thoughts here. Uh, I'm glad yeah, I asked the Michigan State question before we got into that because I, I, I thought that was going to happen. We, uh, I'm going to, I've got some questions for Adam, um, how he feels about this, you know, his, his fiance, that family, they're Michigan state fans. And the fact that they can lose a game to Purdue getting blown out the way that they did and still be ranked ahead of an undefeated Oklahoma. I don't know, but yeah. Oh, you travel down to Waco on Saturday, 11 a.m. kickoff, big noon kickoff, Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson's going to be on the call, uh, for Lincoln Riley and OU to take on Dave Aranda and the Baylor bears. So um, going into last weekend, Corbin, I think that this was a game that many people were projecting to be a top 10 matchup college game day. Many people thought was going to be on site. And sadly, thanks to Chandler Morris, this game has lost a little bit of its luster, but this is still a huge opportunity for both teams. You know, for Oklahoma, despite a perfect 9-0 record like we've just seen, they've practically gotten no respect for what they've done so far this season. Now that we're in championship November, this is a chance for them to go out and kind of send a message to the rest of the Big 12 but also to the college football playoff world as a whole, that this is a team that has all the ingredients and the makeup to, you know, get on a run here, uh, win another big 12 championships, go into the college football playoff, not just have an appearance, but also, you know, maybe win hopefully one, if not two games. Now, as far as Baylor goes, this is a must win for them on Saturday. If they want to have any chance of playing in Arlington for the big 12 championship, they're seven and two overall, five and two in the Big Twelve with losses to Oklahoma State and TCU. Corbin, I know TCU kind of took the wind out of Baylor's sails on Saturday, but this is still a very, very good football team, uh, and no doubt it's going to be the best team Oklahoma's played ten weeks into the season. I mean, you would think Oklahoma comes out with their hair on fire. You would think um, if this team comes out flat after what the committee has done to them the past two weeks, then maybe the committee's right. Um, <laughs> But I just, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still scratching my head about this. But yeah, you would, you would think this team comes out plays really well. Um, hopefully they do. Uh, is Link- I have, I've got no freaking idea what to expect this weekend because is is Lincoln Riley the coach for Oklahoma on Saturday? I don't know. That's been weird too. <laughs> okay. So yeah, this whole week's been bizarre. Um, but I think Lincoln Riley or not, this team comes out has to come out angry. Has to come out angry. If they don't, I mean, good lord. But I would expect the the best performance we've seen from this team all year long. Uh, and if not, like I said before, maybe the committee's right. Well, you would certainly hope so. I mean, a nine and zero team, all their goals are still out there in front of them. Completely. That that was even before the disrespect factor from the college football playoff committee. Now you've got back to back weeks where there's still, like I said, you have six one loss teams ranked ahead of Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, going into going into week 11 but no let's let's start let's kind of dive into this just a little bit we won't get too much into the weeds with OU Baylor but starting when Oklahoma has the football and, and the Bears are on defense this is a Baylor defense that, like I said this is going to be the best defense that OU has played collectively uh, in the entire 10 weeks of this season they uh, Baylor's got the number three scoring defense in the conference giving up just over 20 points a game 125 rushing yards allowed on the ground 240 passing yards a game um, really, there's kind of a three-headed monster that makes up the Baylor defense for me. There are two starting linebackers, number five, Dylan Doyle, number two, Terrell Bernard, 115 tackles between the two. Outstanding linebackers. I'll take both of them. Uh, c- compared to what OU has right now, I like what Oklahoma does defensively at the linebacker position. Dylan Doyle, Terrell Bernard, they can start pretty much anywhere in America outside of five or six teams. Really like what they bring to the table. And then the best player outside of maybe Caleb Williams, I'll touch on that in a second, 
the the guy that plays Baylor's the they call it their star back, which was which is pretty much the nickelback position. Number eight, Jalen Petrie, the heart and soul of that defense. And like I said, outside of Caleb Williams, he might be the best player on the field when OU has the ball. Petrie's great in coverage. He's got two interceptions on the year, five uh, breakups in in, uh, in pass coverage. You'll see Dave Aranda utilize him in a variety of different ways, especially up near the line of scrimmage, but also. They do a lot of blitzing with Jalen Petrie coming from the second level, so it's going to be imperative for Caleb Williams and OU's tackles, um, both left tackle Anton Harrison and probably Tyrese Robinson at right, always need to know where number eight is on the field because he can come from absolutely anywhere. Yeah, I think the big key to this game outside of the way the defense plays is going to be the ability to run the ball for this offense. Uh, I think – Honestly, getting Marcus Major back this late gives you a big body that can really going to be able to help uh, with these upcoming defenses the final three weeks of the season. And it all starts on Saturday for me. Um, just even if it's nothing more than to, to save some of the, the shelf life for Kennedy Brooks, uh, Marcus Major is going to have to step up in a big way. I, I mm-hmm. think if OU is at their best and Baylor is at their best, OU is probably about a touchdown favorite, maybe a little bit more. Um, but we're going to be heading into a hostile environment. Uh, Baylor's got a lot in front of them too. They have the opportunity to play for, um, but yeah, this defense is going to be a huge mm-hmm. test. And so we're going to see what type of offense trots out there, right? We've seen kind of a, a run heavy offense at times. Then you look at Texas tech and Caleb Williams is throwing the ball over the field. So not really sure what to expect on the offensive side of the ball, but this defense is going to give them fits if they don't come out and, and execute well. And that's, you know, Baylor has been able to give Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma problems the past couple of years, especially last season's game. That was probably OU's worst offensive performance of the entire season. Dave Aranda has kind of had Oklahoma's number, you know, going all the way back to the 2019 OU-LSU uh, Peach Bowl. And then the game last year, they aren't the most talented defense from a recruiting star standpoint, but they are extremely well coached across the board. And, you know, Corbin, I, I told you and Adam a couple weeks ago after Caleb Williams, you know, torched Gary Patterson and TCU that Lincoln Riley now has three weeks, Texas Tech, Kansas, and then the bye to get Caleb Williams ready for the defenses that he's going to see during this, you know, red November run. Uh, Baylor defensively from a schematic standpoint, they do a lot of things pre-snap designed to try and confuse the quarterback. They like to bring five, six, and sometimes even seven guys up to the line of scrimmage so that it's difficult maybe for the quarterback to kind of decipher what the coverage is on the back end, where the blitzes are coming from. That's something that Spencer Rattler kind of struggled with and and had a really tough time with last year. And so Caleb Williams is going to have to be a lot better in that front uh, on Saturday morning. And no, you, you touched on it perfectly. Kennedy Brooks, I, th- I think that he should have a big game as well. I want to see Marcus Major get some more touches. We saw it at the, in the fourth quarter of the Texas Tech game. Different type of runner, more physical. He's got fresh legs, obviously opting out, or not not opting out, but not being available for most of the first part of the season. Um, so Marcus Major could be a big factor for this team going forward. Yeah, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, you know, OU on the defensive side of the ball. To me, the thing that screams um... – importance and naturally in every football game for the final three weeks of the season is turnovers, right? Like you've mm-hmm. got to win the turnover battle in these three games. Um, what have you seen so far from Baylor on the offensive side of the ball? And what do you expect kind of, you know, Oklahoma to counter that with? Yeah, just a couple of things statistically. I mean, it starts with, you know, their, their quarterback, you know, Jerry Bohannon, he's completing 65% of his passes, only throwing for 219 yards a game. Not quite what you would expect from a big 12 uh, quarterback with the, you know, being on a team that's ranked in the top two or three in the conference, but he still has 15 touchdown passes, only five interceptions this year, uh, with two of those coming last week against TCU. Uh, but no, if there's one guy that you've got to slow down on this Baylor offense, it's the running back, Abram Smith. He's averaging over 115 yards a game, 11 touchdowns, and a big one for me. He averages over seven yards a carry. So every time he touches the rock, he's almost picking up a first down. So uh, we've seen wide receiver positions so far through the first you know nine games that OU's played. Guys like Xavier Worthy, Quentin Johnson, the guy at Texas Tech has been able to give OU secondary fits, especially the corner positions. They've got a guy in Tyquan Smith. While, yes, he is a 6'3", 6'4", bigger body guy, he's not the same from a physicality standpoint. He's not a 210-pound guy like Quentin Johnson is. More of a leaner frame, only 180 pounds. He's their go-to wide receiver. And one thing that they do that Baylor likes to do, especially in the red zone, very, very similar to Austin Sarner. They like to use the title, uh, the tight end, utilizing him in goal-to-goal situations. He's got four touchdowns so far this year. Uh, tight end Ben Simmons does. So a big red zone weapon for them. Baylor 
is going to try and stress OU's defense running the football. Offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes, he preaches physicality up front with his offensive line. I think that they're going to try and follow the same blueprint that Nebraska and West Virginia used earlier this year with Oklahoma. Run the football, grind it out, have those 8, 10, 12 play, uh, play drives that result in points, and gives Caleb Williams a limited number of possessions. Baylor isn't really set up offensively to get into a track meet type game with Oklahoma. I just don't think you know Jerry Bohannon is that type of quarterback, so it's going to be imperative for Oklahoma Get off to a fast start. You know, if you can put yourself up, you know, maybe 10, 14 points early on, maybe kind of get Baylor out of their rhythm, force them to have to play from behind and throw the football. Um, and with OU getting healthy in the secondary, like I said, on the back end, you know, we're hearing things. Maybe Woody Washington's going to make a return this weekend. Yeah. Having a healthy OU secondary, having Jalen Redmond back in the lineup as well, OU is in a really good uh, spot right now defensively from a health standpoint, uh, probably the best that they've been since week one. Yeah, I was going to touch on that. You know, obviously, uh, sounds promising that Woody Washington could be back. Who do you think is the starting five in the secondary on Saturday? Is Woody Washington starting? Great question. That's kind of that's kind of it for me. I mean, I, I don't I, I don't think I would expect Woody Washington to start. I mean, that's kind of a that's a big ask. Your first game back, we're just going to throw you right into the starting lineup. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and say that he does not start. So with that being said, I still think you'll see the same five as what it was against Texas Tech where you'll have DJ Graham and Key Lawrence at the cornerback positions. You'll have Pat Fields, DTY uh, at the safety spots, and then you'll see a rotation between Justin Broyles and Billy Bowman at the nickelback spot. Uh, but if Woody Washington does play, then you're kind of back into the same position where we were two weeks ago where you're, you've got to find a way to get your five DBs, no matter what position they've been playing so far up to this point in the season, you got to find a way to get your five best players on the field. So um, obviously I think Woody Washington and DJ Graham are your two, are your two cornerbacks. And then I, I, I know that so many OU fans want to say, you know, you got to get Pat Fields off the field, but you know, that's, that's Alex Grinch's guy. Him and Justin Broyles, that's been his two guys since he got his step foot on campus here. So uh, in a perfect world, you'd have Woody Washington, DJ Graham at the corners. I think you'd have Key Lawrence at one of the safety positions to go along with Pat Fields. And then I'm moving Justin Broyles out of that nickel back position and sliding DTY over to nickel to kind of round out my top five. So that, that'll be the first thing that I look for on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be a huge question heading into that game, and I'm sure we won't find out much until those guys hit the field. Um, yep. So, you know, another thing we've heard kind of whispers of over the past uh, week or so is uh, is Billy Bowman exploring different options throughout the secondary. You would mm -hmm. think, based on what we've seen, the experiment at cornerback should be over, So, which only yep. really leaves one option for him to be, quote-unquote, experimenting at, and that's the safety mm -hmm. position, which is kind of bizarre to me because those two guys, DTY and Pat Fields, don't leave the field. So could he be experimenting at safety? Does that make sense to you? I would just try to do anything and everything I could to kind of get him in the rotation, get him in on the field. I mean, like you said, Pat Fields, DTY, they don't take breaks. Grinch preaches, you know, having 22 guys that can play on defense. And, you know, it's kind of odd that the position group that he coaches, there is no rotation at safety. Um, yep. So that's going to be one thing. I just want to see Billy Bowman find a way to get on the field, whether it's at safety, whether it's at nickelback a position that he won to start the year at before having to slide over to corner uh, because of injuries and because of other players not per performing up to uh, the the expectations and the standards that the OU defense should. So uh, I, I hope that they utilize the bye week to kind of transition him back to whether it is nickelback or safety. But um, even though he is a true freshman, between Justin Broyles and Pat Fields, Billy Bowman is a much better athlete. So if he can, if it can click for him upstairs, you got to figure out a way to get five on the field. Yeah, I just don't know if I'd make this the opportunity to see if it's clicking for him or not against Baylor, against Iowa State, against Oklahoma State. It just doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. And that's kind of the crazy part. You no longer have a week where you can kind of transition him over there and kind of experiment to see if that would work. Now yeah. you've got four straight weeks where you've got to have your best guys out there every snap. The rotation is going to shrink, you would hope, and you know your, uh, your better players are going to start to get a, a larger bulk of the reps um, especially over the last month of the season. But, no, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, and like I said, um, I am I was really glad, and, again, this is me being selfish, but I was really glad that this game was not a night game uh, and that this is going to be at 11 a.m. Yes, it should be a really good atmosphere on Saturday, uh, but there's just something a little bit different, an 11 a.m. compared to a 7 o'clock kickoff if you are the away team. So OU has a chance to get up Saturday morning, go up there, take care of business, and like we said, 
after the blatant lack of respect that the college football playoff committee has laid out over the last couple of weeks, OU should come out there and kick the shit out of Baylor on Saturday. This is a team that is much more talented on paper. They're healthy. They're coming off a bye. They've had two weeks to prepare. They should come out there and have their way with Baylor on Saturday. This isn't going to be a blowout by any means. We'll get to our score predictions here in a little bit. But Oklahoma on paper and with Caleb Williams at quarterback is a much better football team than Baylor. I'll say that. Yeah. Anything else on Baylor you want to touch on? No, I think that that's pretty good right now. Um, and again, we obviously wish that Adam was here, um, but he chose to take the week off. But uh, yeah, let's kind of move on to beers and bets here. Um, I really don't have much to say with this segment. I predicted a 5-0 and week last week. Felt really good about it. Came out of the gates 2-0 and uh, and then got screwed on the back end as the afternoon slate kind of kicked off. Hey, you did better than me. I mean, I'm coming off my worst uh, performance of the year, I believe. I might have had one other one in four week that uh, is, was very early on. But, yeah, an embarrassing performance for myself. One in four puts me just above 500. I'm hanging on by a thread, 27, <laughs> 26, and two. Uh, Adam with a two and three week, 25, 29, and one. And yourself, two and three as well, 23, 30, and two. At this point, I mean – we're more just going after who's going to suck less. I think that's kind of the standard that we have yeah. <laughs> put in yeah. this competition. Um, but yeah, we'll quickly roll through Adam's pick and then Tyler will go back and forth on ours. So Adam, one through five here, he's got Miami minus two and a half at Florida State. No idea what to expect in that game. So that I think may be one of the better games of the day. I think Florida State is playing better uh, down the stretch. So we'll see there. Georgia at Tennessee, Tennessee plus 20 and a half. Can that offense actually put up numbers against what is undoubtedly the best defense in the country, a defense that has not really been tested with a high-ranked offense like what Tennessee can do? Utah minus 24.5 at Arizona. Uh, Michigan turning into a pick at Penn State. Uh, he has taken the blue um, the blue of Michigan, I should specify there. UConn at Clemson, he is taking under <laughs> 50. Under 50. Um, that is a very interesting one. He had put up 52. Uh, I quickly adjusted that in our group chat when I looked at the lines before we started the pod that had dropped two points. Watch this game be a 51-point total. You just know that's going to happen. These <laughs> things happen that way pretty often. But, Tyler, I'll kick it to you. Who's your pick to uh, to start off this week? Uh, I, I, we're just going to roll five out here. I don't have really any explanation for why I chose these. I feel good about them. That probably means it's another two and three week. Uh, I'm going to the SEC for the first one. Kentucky traveling to Vanderbilt. Um, Kentucky's favored by 21 points in this one. I'm kind of following your lead, just like how you do with Kansas and, and, and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's one of the worst football teams in America right now. Kentucky, Mark Stoops has got them playing really, really well. Um, they got away. They snuck out and got a win against uh, Mississippi State last weekend. Probably a win that they should not have gotten. But 21 points is a lot, but Vanderbilt's just terrible. So um, I think that this will be a low-scoring game in which Kentucky scores just enough to cover, and Vanderbilt doesn't score much at all. I thought they lost to Mississippi State, did they not? I thought that – no, because remember Mississippi State lost the end because Brandon Walker flipped out on the false start that they scored – That uh, Ar- no, wait, no, 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 I'm confused. No. Arkansas played them Tennessee, last week. Yeah, Tennessee beat Kentucky. Last oh, week. okay. I'm. I'm. Yeah, show us know how still, much I follow. Vanderbilt is bad. Vanderbilt is bad. We okay. can all agree still taking them. Still taking. <laughs> them. Very good. Yeah, for me, it's uh, North Carolina at Pitt. Um, seventy-three points is a lot, but uh, the offense is just score between those two teams. So I'm going to take the over seventy-three there. I like that pick as well. That's a really good one. Number two for me, not really sure why I'm on the side I'm on right now. Michigan at Penn State. Penn State was a two-point favorite. I think when this thing opened up, it's it's come all the way down to, uh, to a pick em. So with that being said, Penn State is on their home field right now. So I guess Vegas really thinks that Michigan's probably a three-point favorite in this one. This is an 8-1 Michigan team going up against a struggling Penn State that's lost three out of the last four. But the Nittany Lions played extremely well on the road two weeks ago, almost knocking off Ohio State. And then they bounced back this past Saturday at Maryland, winning 31-14. to So this is going to be the first home game Penn State has played in almost a month. So I think they'll come out ready to go. They'll play inspired with a top-10 Michigan squad, which I guess, what, a top-six Michigan squad now uh, coming to town. I'm picking Penn State to pull the upset on Saturday. And yeah, that should drop Michigan down to number seven. Still I, thought go, I thought they'd go up to five uh, if they play Penn State well. So uh, and, and that is a team to me that is a bizarre why Penn State is not ranked. 
Um, that that's a very, very strange one. I mean, they, they almost beat Iowa without their starting quarterback. They beat Wisconsin earlier in the year. Uh, that's a bizarre one. I, I don't know why the Nittany Lions aren't ranked. Um, hmm. but Hey, I guess that helps us. They can't put, you know, all 12 of the uh, big 10 teams in there. So who knows, but for me, Iowa state heading to Texas tech, Iowa state obviously looked much better last weekend. Uh, against Texas. It does worry me. Uh, obviously, Iowa State lost on the road to West Virginia a couple weeks back. Ten and a half seems like a lot, but I do think um, while this team has been tough to figure out all year long, I think they're going to play well down the stretch. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't think they're going to overlook the Red Raiders in Lubbock. Give me the Cyclones minus ten and a half. I really like that pick as well. Almost had that one on my card, but you know what? Coming off of a dominant win over Texas, yeah. they got Oklahoma in, in next week as well. That's kind of, might be kind of a trap game going to Lubbock, but um, just a kind of quick little tidbit here. College football playoff chair Gary Barta, when talking about why putting Michigan ahead of Michigan State. At the end of the day, we thought Michigan was just a better team and deserved to be ranked ahead of Michigan State. So, Corbin, I don't even know why we play the games. Just yeah, flat just out don't understand. Pick whoever you think's better, regardless of what happens on the field. Makes sense, right? I, I guess. I guess that's the logic we're following. But uh, pick number three for me, going out to the Pac-12, Utah, 24-point favorite at Arizona. This one almost seems too obvious of a pick. Arizona is a really bad 1-8 and eight football team going up against maybe the hottest team in the Pac-12 right now in Utah. The Utes absolutely trashed Stanford a week ago, 52-7. to seven. The same Stanford team that upset earlier, uh, upset Oregon earlier this year, I might point out. So Utah's offense is on a roll. They'll continue to roll at Arizona. So give me the Utes to cover the 24. Yeah, Utah all of a sudden playing really well. Uh, and Arizona is still bad last time I checked. Mm-hmm. So that's a good pick there. I mean, I hate to do it. I really do. But it always comes back to the KU game, right? And Texas is a 30-point favorite. <laughs> But I'm taking the Longhorns. You're touching uh, it? Okay. It. I have to. I have to. Kansas has been my my breadwinner oh. on the year. So uh, I don't love it. I haven't loved a lot of the things I've picked against Kansas. It continues to just go well for me. So who knows? Uh, maybe Gia the monkey gives an inspirational speech up there in Lawrence and Texas comes out and plays well. We'll find out. But until KU starts to burn me consistently, I got to keep going against them. <laughs> Oh, God. God. Gee. Texas football is just the gift that keeps on giving. Even when it's not on the field, the, the five losses so far this year, the storyline's off the field. Just Austin, Texas, the program, the university as a whole is just fantastic. So I'm really I'm, I'm glad that they're going to be joining us in the SEC as well. Pick number four for me, there's absolutely no logical reason for me to do this. Um, Oklahoma minus five and a half at Baylor. Like I said, I'm not basing this pick off anything other than a gut feeling coming off of a bye week. Uh, Oklahoma favored by five and a half at Baylor. We all know Oklahoma has, hasn't lost a game in November since Lincoln Riley has been on the sidelines. In fact, they are 23-0 and in November since 2015. We've all seen it on social media, the lack of respect these players feel with their ranking from the committee. They've got that chip on their shoulder, and they should finally be the healthiest we've seen them since they kicked off against Tulane all the way back in September. So I think Oklahoma does enough on Saturday to cover the five and a half. Yeah, we'll see. So a quick note here, Gary Bard on the Sooners at number eight. It wasn't just the game at KU. They are 9-0. and That's why they are they are the eighth team in the country. They don't have any signature wins. Committee noted the uh, that QB change to Caleb Williams has changed the team. We're looking to see if that continues. There's a lot of football to be played. Oklahoma's 9-0, and we'll see more starting this weekend. So just a whole lot of nothing uh, trying to defend the ranking there. Uh, I'm going to stick with, with the OU uh, Baylor game, but I'm going to take the bears plus five and a half. Uh, reality is I think this team can come and beat the breaks off of Baylor, but they have yet to do that all year long uh, until they do that. I'm going to continue taking other teams against the spread. I think OU's covered the spread what twice this year. I think twice. I think yeah, so, so twice. So I would love to get this pick wrong. I will take the loss for the sooner faithful, uh, but give me the bears plus five and a half. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. Um, I'm going to stay in the top 10 uh, of the committee rankings. Um, Cincinnati number five. Cincinnati traveling to uh, uh, South Florida. South Florida is a 23.5 point underdog. Cincinnati's defense was great against the run to start the year, but once conference play kind of started, the run defense for the Bearcats really started to kind of fall off. Bearcats have allowed the following rushing performances the last four weeks. 155 yards, two touchdowns to UCF. 192 yards to Navy. 187 to Tulane, 
and 297 yards to Tulsa. You pair that with a Cincinnati offense that lost their starting running back in the second quarter last week. We're not sure if he's going to play this weekend in a short week on the road. I think USF does enough to stay within the number. I don't think that they're going to win the game, but 23 and a half seems like way too many points for me. Uh, mm-hmm. So give me the uh, the Bulls to cover against Cincinnati. Yeah, I don't think Cincinnati's covered with the last three weeks, maybe four. Um, so you're riding the hot wave there of them not getting the job done. Yeah, to round up my top five, NC State at Wake. I'm going to take the over 66 and a half. Uh, Wake has been putting up points against everybody, even in a losing fashion against North Carolina last week. Mm-hmm. NC State's defense is probably the best defense they've played so far this year. Um, but I still think they'll put up enough points. And that Wake defense is just bad. Uh, they're giving up just as many points as they score. So that'll round out the uh, the top five for me. So uh, Adam, or excuse me, Tyler heading into OU Baylor this weekend. Uh, score predictions. Uh, I've got OU 31, Baylor 28. I think this is going to be a battle. I can actually see OU coming out with their hair on fire and Baylor scratching and clawing their way back into it to make it a battle late. How do you see this game going? I've got OU 38, Baylor 27, so not not quite a blowout, but I do think that this is one, like you said, OU's going to come out with their hair on fire. They're going to jump on Baylor at the beginning, and then you're going to see Baylor. Dave Aranda's too good of a football coach. The the mentality of that Baylor football team, they're not going to quit. They're not going to go down. So I think OU is going to come out. They are going to you know take maybe a 7-10 point lead early, um, try to get this game into a track meet, get Caleb Williams more and more possessions. But I think that OU's defense is going to play well on Saturday. They've heard all of the last three to four weeks that this is the same old defense that we've seen from Oklahoma the last five to six years. I think that they're going to come out on fire, uh, play inspired. I mean, send a message on, on Saturday. This Oklahoma team should do that. I mean, they've had two weeks to prepare. They're ready for this. So I think that OU is going to go on the road and knock off Baylor 38-27 on Saturday. Yeah, and a quick recap, uh, Sooner men's basketball opens the season with a 77-59 win over Northwestern State. So win one of hopefully many for Porter, Mosier, and company. Um, I don't think it was overly pretty, but hey, a win's a win, right? That's what we've been talking about. Winning's yeah. hard. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we've been talking about that for weeks, so we might as well just throw it right into the basketball talking points. You can't you can't win them all if you don't win the first one. So let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, go ahead and call event management. Let's get the uh, let's get the crew down there. Maybe make some room for a possible banner getting hung in the rafters here in a few months. But no, yep. uh, Porter Mosier. We'll, we'll obviously have some more basketball talk as we get a little bit closer uh, to, towards you know men's basketball season, which I guess is in full swing right now. But Corbin, you got anything else uh, on playoff rankings? As wonderful as they are, before we get out of here, we'll we'll find out a lot about this team on Saturday. I mean, I, this this would – if I was an OU football player, this would drive me through a wall. Mm-hmm. So, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be fun. Well, that's going to do it for us on tonight's episode. As always, give us a follow on Twitter at the Pod one Like and subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star review, guys. It's another big one on Saturday. Championship November, Red November. It all gets underway for the Sooners down in Waco at 11 a.m. We'll be back after the game to break it all down and get you set up for the home finale against Iowa State right here. Uh, So for Corbin, Tyler, Adam, wherever you are, thanks for joining us right here on the Mainline Podcast.